Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, hey, everyone. Uh, I'm Pastor Mark, and it's great to be with you today. Uh, That video you just saw is a a bumper video, promo video for this series that starts today. The series is entitled Family Foundations. Uh, And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the topics of singleness, of marriage, divorce, step families, conflict, parenting. Uh, No matter what stage of life you are in, this is going to hit home for you. And the Bible has so much to say about marriage and parenting and families. And so uh, invite some people to join along, maybe someone you know who's struggling in their marriage or looking for answers as a parent. Um, Today we're going to be talking about singleness and about dating. And so don't turn off on me yet if you're married and be like, well, been there, done that. Uh, Here's the deal. Uh, How we're going to approach this today is going to be good advice, good scriptural advice, no matter where you are. If you've been married 50 years, you're going to learn something today, uh, when it, even on the topic of dating and courtship. Uh, and if you uh, are saying, well, I'm just probably going to be single the rest of my life, that's fine. Uh, that's uh, a choosing for some and a gifting for some. Uh, there's going to be other people you can, you can help in this journey too. And then if you are thinking about getting married or wanting to get married in the future, or if you're a parent or a grandparent, I would encourage you to get your notebook out or your phone out. There's going to be some things we talk about today that uh, I think you're going to want to pass on to your kids or, or to take for yourself. I know for myself, even in the preparation over the last couple of weeks for this sermon, uh, it's some stuff we're going to apply in our marriage, and it's some things I want to hide deep within, even though my kids are seven and four, um, that we're going to talk with them down the road about and instill in them at a young age, even long before they get married. Well, I can talk on this topic of singleness because I was single. Actually, I didn't get married until I was 34. Uh, and frankly, in my 20s, I enjoyed the single life. Uh, I was not one of those who felt like I was missing out by not being married or that, um, you know, it was, it was, for me, I just loved uh, that season of life. Uh, it allowed me to uh, really establish myself professionally because I could work longer hours. Um, I was able to uh, do graduate degrees and get those done and out of the way for the most part, um, actually totally before I got married. And, uh, and then, of course, it gave me some freedom to travel and, and do some of those kind of things too. But as I got into my early 30s, um, I started to think more about marriage and, and that, you know, realizing, hey, I'm not getting any younger kind of thing. And uh, even had a season where I started getting kind of lonely uh, and just knew that uh, this wasn't my calling, this wasn't my gifting of singleness and not what I wanted to do. And, and so uh, I ended up working at a church and uh, there was another youth pastor. I came in as a youth pastor and uh, she and I were polar opposites and still are. But uh, what started as kind of a frustrating relationship and trying to figure out how each other worked led to mutual affection and then attraction, and then um, we got married. And so I'm not going to tell you how all that worked. I'm going to share that a little bit later today of what we were both looking for in a future spouse and and how our seasons of singleness, hers shorter than mine, but uh, prepared us 
for marriage. Well, today as we look at the scripture text, we're going to come into a scene. That's the scene that we uh, arrive at is a boy and a girl, or a young man and a young, young woman at a picnic. Uh, and they're together. There's an interest in each other. In fact, in our culture, we would say they're on a date. And so we're going to dive right into this text. It's in the Song of Solomon or the Song of Psalms, as it's sometimes called. Uh, and we're going to be in chapter one. And so I'm going to go right into the text here. We're in verse nine. And it says this. Again, remember, they're at a picnic, essentially. They're they have mutual interest here. They're on, on a date. It says, he says, I liken you, my darling, to a mare harnessed to one of the chariots of Pharaoh. Now, Song of Solomon, it just cracks me up because you read it at face value. And you're like, um, did he just say that she's a good-looking horse or she would make a good-looking horse? And you're like, um, no, that's not what this means. I'll get to that in a second. Although I am thinking about this year on Jess's Mother's Day card, my wife's Mother's Day card, quoting this verse. Um, if you don't see me for a couple weeks after Mother's Day, you'll know that I actually did put that on there. But back to the text and back to what this really means. Um, he's talking here uh, when he says a mare. A mare would have... Uh, would have been put in with a group of stallions, and this mare would have stood out. In fact, um, in their time, uh, the mare in Pharaoh's chariot, or the mare of the horses that, that, that led Pharaoh's chariot, would have been white. Almost would have been a horse of, uh, like, um, kind of God status or a deity status. And so when he's making this statement, he's saying to her, I value you so much. You are so special to me. You are so unique. You are the most wonderful thing that any guy could ever ask for. Guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's what every girl is wanting to hear. Actually, what she's seeking out is, does he value me? Or is there ulterior motives going on? So as one's in a dating relationship, or frankly, I told you this is even in a marriage, your spouse, guys, is asking you, whether she'll ever articulate it or not out loud, does he really value me? Does he really think I'm special? Does he really think that I am, like this guy said, Solomon said to his, his girlfriend, if you will, at this time, you are so special, you are so unique, you are, you are a prized possession of anything that can be imagined. And then we go on in verse 13, and he says this. He says, My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Now, guys, you can calm down. Don't get too excited. You are focusing on uh, something that's actually covered later <laughs> in, this, in this book. Um, it's actually the myrrh, that, the sachet of myrrh that he's talking about here. Uh, a woman would have wore around her neck this necklace with a little kind of box, if you will, of myrrh. Myrrh was essentially like a perfume. They didn't have the perfume. You couldn't go to the store and pick out all kinds of perfumes. Bathing and all that thing you know, was, was a lot, done a lot less frequently. And so this was something that was uh, a very precious possession to a woman. And she is saying to him... You are so precious to me. What's, what we glean from this right here is they're saying to each other, you're of such high value. You are so important to me. 
You know, how can you tell if someone values you? How do you know if someone actually values you? Well, I think, at least in my experience, is if they listen to you. I mean, like, really listen to you. If they're putting your interests above their own is another sign that they are really valuing. How about when they ask you about how you're really feeling? So if you're in a dating relationship right now with someone, is that how you are approaching that? Do you, have you shown your significant other how much value they are? Or do you talk about yourself all the time? Or are you t- still thinking about your needs and your wants and your interests? Or are you looking and saying, how can I serve this other person? How can I let this person know that they are the most important person to me? And see, I told you, this isn't just a dating sermon. In a marriage, the same holds true. As we continue in this text, we're going to be in uh, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And he says this. This is, um, this, is, this is her talking. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. And then he says, like a lily among thorns is my darling is my darling among the maidens. See, lilies and roses are incredibly rare in the Mideast. And so because of his words of value here that he just shared in in chapter one that we looked at, her self-esteem immediately shoots up. She, she immediately, she, all of a sudden, she equates herself to a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley. Now, what we didn't talk about was in chapter one, earlier in chapter one, she talks about her dark skin. And we would think, well, that, you know, in our culture, dark skin means you have a good tan, that's a sign of beauty. That was not the case in the first, in, in, in this culture, in ancient culture. That would have meant that she worked outside. She did physical labor. So darker skin was... For her, she was looking saying, I'm, I don't have horrible self-esteem, but I'm not as pretty as the other girls. And by his words of affirmation that we just looked at a few moments ago, immediately her response is that, I am a rose of Sharon, I am a lily of the valleys, I am special, I am unique, I am one of a kind. And then as we go into verses 3 and 4, Says like an, she says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. See, an apple tree stands out from other, all the other trees that would have existed there because of its delicious fruit. And she is saying to him, you're in a class by yourself. I respect you among all others. Do you know that with our words, with your words, you can speak life or death into the life of other or into your relationship? You see, when, when a man or a guy belittles his wife or his girlfriend, what that does is it drops her self-esteem. It... it it takes away from the intimacy, the oneness of marriage. Uh, and frankly, w- she can become vulnerable to an affair because that emotional, he's, he, you're creating that emotional distance with that person. And if there's some other guy who affirms her and makes her feel special, 
that's the emotional, that starts as an emotional affair that can lead to the physical. And the same holds true for, a man, for the woman towards her husband or towards a boyfriend. When she uh, speaks harshly to him or when she uh, makes him feel of lower value or worth or when she nags or criticizes him, men will withdraw. Men will withdraw and they'll find other interests. That's why there's humorous TV shows and move in, in movie scenes about the guys having their garage, you know, and that's their man place and that's where they kind of escape and that's where they live or their man cave in the basement or into their hobbies and their toys or into sports. And again, none of those are inherently wrong, but that can be for men when they feel that their wife is just criticizing them all the time, belittling them, nagging at them, and it's just insistent that they will withdraw. And it's how God's kind of designed us in relationship. So let's continue on and see what else does this passage, what does this encounter? Because the Song of Solomon, folks, is all about a, a guy and a girl who come together, they're interested in each other, they catch each other's eye, they start, they start um, dating, and they kind of move to this courtship phase, and then as it goes on, and we're not going to do the whole series on the Song of Solomon, but as it goes on, then they get married, and then you get to the honeymoon night, and then, and then the relationship thereafter. So we're going to continue in chapter 2, in verses 8, it says this, listen, my lover, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a, like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. This, again, is, is poetic, it's imagery. But what she's saying here is that he's not a peeping Tom. <laughs> That's not what she's saying. What she's saying is he is captivated by her. He is, wherever she is, he wants to be. And, and he's peering into her life. He wants to get to know her. He wants to learn more about her. He wants to discover who she is. Which led me to this verse, actually, in Proverbs. When we talk about the progression of dating and then the next phase, casual dating or kind of not when you're, when you're not exclusive, but moving to that exclusive stage, Proverbs 19.2 tells us this, zeal without knowledge is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. One of the pieces of advice I want to offer today, especially for those who are single, is this, don't rush into this. Take your time. Get to know the person. That's what that passage was just saying. He was getting to know. He was showing an interest in her. They were taking their time. They were, they were getting to not only affirming each other with their words, but they were getting to know each other on a more personal level. Because the reality is that dating is designed to conceal, not reveal. I'm going to say that again. Dating is designed to conceal, not reveal. And I think all of you know this, even if you've been married 50 years and you think back to your dating or you watched your kids or grandchildren date, there's this kind of phoniness that goes on, right? In the sense that, you know, he's always clean, he's always showered, he's always has deodorant on and way too much cologne. Uh, and she's, you know, always, you know, dressed to the nth degree. I mean, there, there's no... There's no realness in some cases, right? Because you're trying to win that person. You're trying to put on your best. And, and that's great, but that doesn't reveal. It's said before that people are like tea bags. 
you don't find out what's inside of them until they're put in hot water. And I think one huge piece of advice I would give uh, to people who are looking to get married in the future, or maybe you're dating now, or maybe you're even engaged, is don't rush. Get to know that person, especially the more you get to see how that person reacts under stress and reacts under hardship and reacts when they don't get their way. Because let's be real, right? It's not too hard to put on a good front when everything's going okay. But when the rubber meets the road, when the hard times come, that does show us one's true character. The time aspect and allowing time also allows you to know if you're both healthy enough to get married, to take that next step into marriage. Um, I, I do a lot of weddings, and, I, and one of the things I always require is premarital counseling. I will not marry a couple if they will not do premarital counseling with me or someone else, but typically it's me. And in that premarital process, uh, well, I will say in 10 years of ministry, every single couple I've married is still married. And it's not because of me, but it's because we take that process very, very serious. And there was one time when a couple was getting married, they had both been married before, they had blended families, and so they had a lot of things that were uh, baggage. We all bring baggage into any relationship because we're human, because we're, we're were sinful, but they, they just brought baggage into this. And in the course of going through this self-discovery of each other and as a couple, uh, it became kind of clear that uh, one of them was just not ready for this marriage. They were in love. That wasn't the issue. But there was some significant hurt from the first marriage. It just hadn't been dealt, dealt with. And it was being, um, it was being portrayed on to the, to the new uh, fiancé, and unfairly. And long story short, as, as we went through that process and took our time through that premarital process, they came to the realization that they weren't ready to get married, even though they had a date set, invitations out, and they made a really courageous decision. Uh, they actually broke up. They, they moved out of living together, and which I would just as an aside, as you're listening, and I know it's not a popular thing to say today is, but again, don't rush into doing married things before you're married. Don't rush into that. Why? Because it goes, how, it goes out of whack how God designed it. When you rush too fast, it's always hard to go back. It's actually virtually impossible to go back because you've, you've entered a new phase, a new establishment of your relationship. So they went their separate way. They, they got some healing. He got and specifically got some healing that he desperately needed. And then they called me up and said, hey, um, we're ready. We got back together. We talked about it, and I had seen significant growth happen, and things were going to change. Because if they had gotten married on their original date, I'm not sure they'd still be married. But then a few months later, um, I performed that wedding ceremony, and they are married to this day. Take it slow. There is no rush. Because a solid marriage can never be built when there's brokenness. And again, it's not that we're flawless, it's not that we're perfect, it's not that we have everything figured out, because we won't. But when there's substantial brokenness in one or both people, the foundation, just as we're talking about this series, family foundation, the foundation will be weak. And we all know what happens when the foundation of everything is weak. Anything built on that will not last. The other thing that time allows is that time allows you to just share, to get to know each other. Like, like she talks about that he's just so 
uh, enamored by her. And it allows you to talk about your dreams. It allows you to talk about your goals. It allows you to talk about the things that you share in common. You know, like for me personally, one of the things that was a big deal to me was someone who would be willing to go wherever God called them to go. It could have been Miss Ohio, and if, if this person was like, nope, I'm never leaving my hometown, I want to be close to my family, which there's nothing wrong with that, it would not have worked for me. For me, as Jess and I got to know each other, I discovered that she had that same heartbeat of saying, you know, wherever God leads us, whatever he asks us to do, even though it might be hard of leaving family and, and being further away, um, from those that we love, we'll, we'll do that. And that was one of the things for me as we went through our dating and courtship phase that was um, not like one of those check marks, but I think we all have some check marks. Some of us have way too unrealistic number of check marks, but one of those big things that we shared, um, that we shared together that was a big deal. Slowing down is, is just wisdom too. Um, Speaking of wisdom, actually, uh, I want to look at another passage of scripture on dating and courtship. This is from 1 Corinthians, it's chapter 7, verse 39, it says this, a wife is married to her husband as long as he lives. Now, this, th- this was the church in Corinth that Paul had started, and essentially the book of 1 Corinthians, especially the beginning of it, are questions that they were submitting to him. They had all these questions, they were trying to figure things out, and then this was his response that was recorded down that's one of the books of our Bible. And so they asked the question, well, what if a guy, a woman's married and her husband dies, can she remarry? And he says this, if her husband dies, she is free to marry whomever she wishes. But he didn't stop there. But he must belong to the Lord. Those last three words are critical. To the Lord. See, if you're single and you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then your field of contestants (laughs) is limited to other followers of Jesus. I can't overemphasize that enough. I don't care right now if, if you're single because you're a widow and you're 70 years old, or if you're 18, or if you're 14, or if you're 25. If you're a follower of Christ, this is not the only scripture. There's other scriptures that talk about this, that you must date, only date, and look at then as a future spouse, those who are all, always, also followers of Christ. And this is one of the ones I see that is kind of taken as optional. You know, sometimes when it comes to verses in the Bible, we're like, you know, yeah, I totally agree with that one. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. Yeah, that's great, but... Uh, we can't do that. We want to do that. I want to do that sometimes. Man, there's some verses, there's some things Jesus said that I'm like, oh man, like die to self. Or like when James said, you know, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. I mean, or that God says that everything is his. The first 10% is definitely his. And if we don't give it back, we're stealing. I mean, there's some things that I'm like, wow. But I can't just dismiss those because they hit some pain points or because I think, well, yeah, God's good on 95% of the things, but I think I got this figured out. Well, again, one of the things we got to learn is I'm not God. There is one God and I'm not him. And so I can't overemphasize this enough because the reality is 
the purpose of marriage is oneness. I always hear all kinds of definitions when people ask, what's the meaning of marriage? What's the purpose of marriage? And there's all kinds of great answers, but they're not what the Bible says. Actually, it started back in Genesis. It says a man and a woman will come together and the two will become one. That is the purpose and meaning of marriage. If you are a father of Christ and you date someone and eventually marry someone who's not, you will never come together. You know, you remember from basic geometry, two lines that are going opposite directions will never what? Yeah, they'll never intersect. So to be truly one, you need, and I wrote down five different things you can share, that you need to share. You need to share the same boss, the capital B boss. You need to share the same leader being Jesus Christ. You need to share the same values, because there's gonna be enough differences between you. Any married couple will say, yeah, we're incredibly different. I mean, there's books written, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I mean, we're, but you need to share those same values. And that's one of the things when Jessica and I were, were uh, getting to know each other in that dating phase and in the courtship, we shared those same values, that, that Christ was gonna be the number one rock in the church, or excuse me, in, in our lives. Uh, that everything that, we have as his, especially on the concept of tithing uh, and some other things like that. The other thing is share the same direction of living your lives to advance the kingdom of God. You, you have that singular purpose to see God's rule and reign exist in the hearts of human beings. You share the same blueprint for life and marriage, that God's word dictates how you live life, that the Holy Spirit, God's power and presence within you guides the direction of your life. You share that. You're not, one person's not making decisions based on what popular talk show says and the other person's making decisions on what scripture says. You're unified on that blueprint for life. And then finally, you both share the same power. And that same power is from the Holy Spirit. That you are hearing and responding from the Holy Spirit that's your compass, that's your metric for everything, that's your guide for living life. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, I'll change that person. Well, my response to that is simply this, good luck. It's not gonna happen. You can't even change yourself. How can you change someone else? And what if they don't wanna be changed? Because a lot of us don't wanna change. I'm sharing this, simply because I want to save you from a lot of frustration and a heartache. I remember my college baseball coach used to always say to us, fellas, there's the two most important decisions in your life are number one, saying yes to Jesus, and number two, who you marry. And I always, that, he said it enough that it stuck with me, and he's 100% right. Actually, those are the only two relationships in this world that are covenant relationships from Scripture. But he's right. Choosing Jesus and choosing who you marry are the two most important decisions that you're going to make in your life. So I want to pick up the story from the intro about how about Jess and I meeting and what we first saw in each other, uh, looking at what the Song of Solomon said of looking at the other person and, and, and knowing what you want and making that decision way ahead of time. And so um, for me, not just her beauty, but what I saw in her was I saw someone who was confident in herself. I saw someone that was a young leader. She was, I think, 23 or so when we first met. I'm a few years older, by the way, than her. 
And I saw someone that just had a sweet spirit that it was clear that the Holy Spirit was guiding her. Because I had made those decisions, even ingrained by my own parents and my own grandparents, and looking at their marriages and looking at other people in the church and then being rooted in scripture that faith was, faith was the number one rock in our family. I had, over time, made those decisions. I, hadn't I had not written them down, but I had made those kind of determinations of what I wanted in a future spouse. Being a follower of Jesus was unequivocal. Being, being sold out for Jesus was unequivocal. And then the other things that I mentioned I saw in her. Now, I think for Jess, the thing that just won her over with me was how awesome I dressed. Now, if you know me at all, that's incredibly humorous. I, I dress decent now simply because I don't dress myself anymore. We struck that deal during dating. She does all the shopping, and then I wear whatever. And there's been a couple of times I've wanted to push back, and then I remembered, hey, this is a good arrangement. I don't have to go shopping and I, I, look, I look pretty decent. But all kidding aside, she always says the thing that really was attractive to her in me was how I valued her as a young female leader. Um, that, that showed something within me to her that I put incredible value in her, uh, even though I was older, even though it was more of a male-dominated area, that... I respected her, I, I gave her, um, I considered her a co-equal uh, in many ways, even more, uh, more uh, knowledgeable in ministry and, and those kind of things. But we had both determined beforehand what we were looking for in a future spouse. A, a woman goes to an online dating service and she says that she doesn't care about looks, income, or background. All she wants is a man of upright character. Then a man joins the service and he tells the only thing that he's looking in a woman or seeking in a woman is intelligence. Well, the service ends up matching them together at once because they have one thing in common. They're both compulsive liars. <laughs> the reality is, folks, don't settle for less. Don't fool yourselves. Know what you're looking You make scripture, allow scripture to guide you to set the parameters don't rush things. Don't compromise. I know it's so easy when you see this Prince Charming that you've always been dreaming of. And as you get to know him and you see that when that, in the hot water that he has anger issues or he has disrespect issues or he has other, and you're like, well, he'll change. He'll get better. Uh, don't fool yourselves. Don't settle. And guys, don't settle either. Look at God's standard. Hold true to God's standard. Not looking for perfection, but we're looking for the things that God is saying to look for. The other thing that I want to kind of leave us with as we wrap up today is you're not only looking for the kind of person we talked about today, you need to start becoming that kind of person. And this is what I was talking about, saying this is not just a dating thing or a courting thing or just for singles right now. This is for all of us. This goes for those who are married in particular. If your marriage isn't where you want it to be, one of the things you desperately need to do, this is a high challenge, but you need to look within yourself. Are you the kind of person that someone would want to be married to? Are you harsh with your spouse? Are you unforgiving? 
Do you not value them? When's the last time you, you gave words of affirmation? Here's one. When's the last time you said, I'm sorry? I one time gave someone that piece of marital advice that was struggling. I said, you need to go home and tell your spouse that you're sorry for being a jerk. <laughs> Very pastoral of me. I said, you got to mean it too. Don't just be flipping about it. And he said he went home and shared, you know, and said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And guess what? She opened up. They had the best conversation they had had in a long time. You know, you'll, I don't think you'll ever see your marriage get worse by admitting that you're wrong and seeking forgiveness and saying that you're sorry. So are you becoming the kind of person that's more Christ-like, that it exemplifies what it means for someone to be a follower of Christ. If you're single, the same thing. I, I always believe it's not about who you marry, it's about being the right person. Yes, there's, other, there's uh, people who we're um, more connected with, attracted to, uh, a, a better fit. I don't believe in that there's only one person for everyone. If there was, you marry the wrong person, you've messed up both your lives, who they should have married. I think there's good fits. I think God will, will answer our prayers, and, and um, it's amazing who he brings to us and who we connect with. But it all comes down to being the right person. You can marry the right person, but if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not becoming the right person, your marriage won't be. It's not just magic. It's, your marriage is going to struggle. And if you're listening today and you're not a follower of Christ, you, you can have a marriage that lasts. Because what happens is, even in marriages with people who are not followers of Christ, they apply biblical principles. But you're never going to have the marriage that God designed. You're, it's, gonna, it's so far short of what God designed. And even if you've been married a long time, you, you, you know that it wasn't as healthy as you hoped it would be. It was, more, it was harder than it should have been. It was, there was more pain points because Jesus Christ wasn't the leader of your marriage. Uh, I want you, uh, one of the, the next step things is there's, uh, through our denomination, a marriage retreat being offered. Uh, and so why don't you check out this video real quick about a marriage retreat that's coming up later this month. And I'm going to come back and just kind of highlight that a little bit and then wrap up with us today. So check out this video. Hi, my name is Carrie Taylor, and I'm the Executive Director at Cornerstone of Hope. Every couple has a deep desire about what they long for their marriage to be like, whether they're in a rocky place or they're at a good spot, but they want their relationship to get better. Cornerstone of Hope is excited to partner with the Northwest Ohio District to present a marriage weekend called From Here to There. This weekend, we'll utilize unique, out-of-the-box, practical strategies that will equip couples with the skills they need to grow friendship within their marriage, to increase healthy communication, to improve intimacy, to manage stress, and to celebrate their differences. The goal of this weekend is to help couples recognize where they are, where they want to be, and how to take those practical steps to follow God's lead for the richness He desires for every marriage. No matter what phase your marriage is in, God desires you to follow Him from here to there. 
From Here to There Marriage Retreat will take place on Friday, April 30th through Saturday, May 1st at St. Mary's Lighthouse and Retreat Center. For more information or to register, check out the website posted on the screen. You can also use NWO Church promo code for savings. We are so excited to spend this weekend with you. We hope to see you there. Here's the deal. There's some of you watching right now who need to register for that video, or excuse me, for that retreat today. You need help. You need to admit that your marriage is struggling. You need to have the humility to say, we need help. We need to, and just like the theme of that is, we can get from here to there with people like Carrie and, and others who have so much training. I actually went to college with Carrie. She's phenomenal. Um, she just knows her stuff. She's, she backs up what she talks about. Uh, and so your host, if, if, you're, if you have any questions, let our hosts know if you're watching us on Facebook right now. If you have any other questions, they'll put up some email, my email even, uh, and, and shoot those my way. But I think some of, actually, I don't think, some of you watching today need to register. And here's the thing, too. It's very inexpensive. I think with the registration code off, you could be as less, low as $50. But some of you maybe are struggling financially. Let us know. Let me know. If, if money's an issue, we'll take care of it. Because your marriage is that important to us that we want to see it be everything that God designed it to be. In closing today, I, I know that some of you are in really painful spots. Some of you are incredibly lonely right now. Some of you are incredibly hurt right now. Some of your marriages are, are just, man, hanging on by a thread. Number one, I want you to know that God's rooting for you. He believes in you. He believes in marriage. He believes in whatever stage of life you're in. That, that is a gift. That's a gifted uh, season for you that he wants to use to develop your character. But I would encourage you, and maybe it's not you, maybe it's a, a son or a daughter, a grandson, granddaughter, uh, a friend, a relative. Come back next week uh, as we continue to look at marriage, as we look at things like divorce, as we look at things like God's healing and taking practical steps. Uh, join us again next week. We're going to continue to expound on this. But before we go into worship today, would you pray with me? And I just want to pray for you. And then we'll go into worship together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you design marriage. It's your idea. And everything you design, God, is good. God, in, in a singleness and being in that season of life, God, that's a gift. That's a season. I think back even in my own life of my single years. And, and those were formative times to get more clarity on direction of life and what I was looking for in a, in, in a dating relationship and a future spouse and and even to accomplish some goals that would just be a lot harder being married and, and, and then having a family. So God, I pray right now for everyone who's listening today, whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're divorced, God, that they would most importantly sense your presence where they are. God, they, they would know that you have, you have insights for them, different insights that we looked at today from Song of Solomon or from 1 Corinthians or from Proverbs about not rushing things. And that you are so fighting for them and you so desperately want to see them experience life and life to the fullest. And so God, you're so good to us. 
you're so present in our lives, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, the band has an incredible song um, that they're going to sing. It's called The Blessing. And it's just a, it's a chorus of using um, the blessing from Numbers chapter 6. Just, uh, I pray that this blessing, that we, you would sing it or listen to it as God speaking this over you and speaking this over your relationships. So join us in worship. It's been so great to be with you today. Be blessed. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.